The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. With so many people living longer, the fear of outliving your money becomes a reality for many of us. Will I be a financial burden? Will I outlive my money? How will I be remembered? My name is Neil Himmelstein, president of Main Street Planning Group. Please contact me by visiting MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. That's MainStreetPlanningGroup.com or call 631-647-4694. I will introduce you to strategies that will guarantee you will not outlive your money, that can guarantee you will not be a burden on your loved ones. Through a collaborative approach, we will uncover solutions that offer tax-efficient strategies, lifetime income, and legacy planning. Choice, organization, direction, and education. That is the code we stand behind. Contact MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. That's MainStreetPlanningGroup.com or call 631-647-4694. And listen to me every Friday at 3 p.m. as I host the Main Street Code for Financial Success right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm your host, Neil Himmelstein. I can be reached at 631-647-4694 or themainstreetcode.com. If you happen to miss a show, I'm on Apple or Spotify where I record my shows and and you can later catch up or every Friday at 3 p.m. you can catch this show. And when we talk about our code, we talk about choice, organization, direction and education. We help hundreds of advisors across the United States, whether they be attorneys, CPAs, or insurance professionals with insurance questions and needs. We're completely independent. We represent 30 different insurance companies, and we help clients and businesses with their insurance questions and needs, whether you need to set up a buy-sell agreement or corporate planning or all these complicated subjects, which don't sound, they sound complicated, but we try and make them easy for you. We try and bring it down to the brass tacks and make it easy so that you can be tax efficient and protect what you've worked your life to protect for your family and future generations. So that's what we do. And today we're very honored to have back with us Bill Zelliker. Bill Zelliker is the general manager of Kurt Weiss Greenhouses and former past president of for three years, the Long Island Farm Bureau, which is a huge organization that you may not hear much about, but I hope Bill will talk a little bit more about. And he's currently on the state board uh, fighting for you and fighting for the farms to make your life better with whether it be our food supply or their trees or open space or labor. I mean, you guys get into urban farming and aquaculture and all kinds of stuff that that's exciting. So, Bill... Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Neil. It's a pleasure to be back here with you again. Terrific. And uh, like you said, there's just so many different uh, things that you could talk about. It can go on forever. Um, You know, agriculture is just not uh, about the traditional ag where you see the uh, farmer out in the field with the plow and everything. And it's gotten to be very technical. And especially here on Long Island, it's so diversified. We probably have one of the most diversified um, aspects of agriculture anywhere in the United States. Uh, Like you said, from the wineries, aquaculture, urban agriculture, vertical farming, uh, you name it, and, and it's out there. And, you know, the world changes and the world pivots. We talk about this all the time. Uh, we don't talk about 
agriculture is enough, but Long Island used to have the probably one of the number one suppliers of duck duck farms, right? Mm-hmm, I correct. know we had one right here in Mariches that you'd mentioned, Santa uh, Mariches, Mariches, um, and then. Um, we used to be known as the potato farmers of Long Island when I was growing up. Yep. And now it's wineries and aquaculture. And uh, um, I want to say this, and breweries, yes. wineries. Why am I saying this? You know, one of my big passions is when my kids were growing up, I wanted them to know every type of business they could get into. Why? I wanted to keep them here on Long Island, to be honest with you. And Bill and I talk about this. My big passion was there is so much opportunity here for so many different fields, yet our kids, they go away to college, they find a different passion, and I'm sorry, but my kids did too. Mm -hmm. Uh, My son's in Denver, my daughter's in Hawaii. They followed their dream, and I think it's fantastic that they followed their dreams. I did too good a job. They flew away and didn't come back. (laughs) I regret it every day, but I wanted to show them all the reasons why education, you know, I remember when I was going to school and a teacher would teach me math. And I always would question to you. Math was my best subject. But you know what? To a lot of people, they didn't get it. They didn't understand, even if they were going to be carpenters or whatever, how they needed to learn how to measure and everything else, how these math skills applied. They don't teach people about farming. And the business has evolved into not just your traditional cows and, and farmer with the plow, but it evolved into so much more, into wineries, breweries, aquaculture is humongous right now, yeah. where people are having oyster farms. I know Suix has a big oyster yep. farm, mm-hmm. and they're growing kelp and, and different things. And why? Tell me, tell me about aquaculture a little bit, because this is a great and blossoming field. Uh, aquaculture industry has really increased over the past, uh, I'm going to say, 10 years. And it's so beneficial to our environment how the oysters purify uh, the waters surrounding us. And we all hear so much about water quality and the waters along our estuaries and that. And aquaculture has developed and can really benefit, there are no negative aspects of the aquaculture industry. They purify the water as well as providing us a source of a food product that we all can enjoy. And right now we're probably at, I would say, about 40 to 50 good full-time bonafide aquaculture uh, businesses around the island. And these are this is a relatively new field in a sense, but yet what does it do? It brings back the fish. Correct. And and I know when I moved to Long Island, I wasn't wasn't here my whole life, but I've been here I guess most of my life now. Uh, we had a great lobster population, which isn't here anymore. And we had now we're seeing, you know, Peconic Bay scallops yeah. disappear. Yeah. So the purifying the water is so vital to our fish market, our lobster market, our our oyster market. That's why it's so huge, but they may not be teaching you that in school. That's my point. Correct, and and that's one area that we really need to look at increasing some of the different education. Uh, when people look at agriculture, they think of it as a very toilsome and hardworking industry, which it is. 
But at the same time now, it's become very progressive. We use a lot of modern technology. For example, in the greenhouse industry, we have a lot of robotics that uh, takes over and does all the planting and sticking of all the different cuttings. Um, And we're forced to do that just because uh, the cost of labor has continually increased and gotten harder and harder to get labor. So we have to look at automation in those forms. Uh, Even on the large-scale forms where they use tractors and equipment like that, a lot of that is all driven automatically, uh, GPS-driven. A lot of the wineries, uh, when they're planting, that's all done by computerized equipment in the tractors. So there is a lot of technology involved uh, out there. So if even if you're a technology major in school or your kids are thinking about technology, think about the applications in the, in the agriculture industry because you're just thinking about high-speed computers, but think about real applications that can really help people on so many levels. It just, it just goes on and on and on. It's amazing that the education is so important. It really is. And, and probably one of the funniest things is I look back when I was in school, I always really did not like, uh, uh, you know, writing and proper grammar and things like that. I struggled at it. Um, and now I look back years later and here I am, uh, writing official papers and things to, uh, government officials. And it comes around to show you that someday you will need, you know, what you learn. Right. Absolutely important. The other thing I want to talk to you about, I know you have a deep passion for is urban farming. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't even know what that means. What is urban farming? Well, that is a real fast-growing aspect of the agricultural industry, and there always has been a lot of animosity against urban agriculture. You have the traditional agriculture that we all know, that open farmland, uh, the tractors out in the field producing the vegetables, things like that. As those are diminishing and our population growth are increasing in the urban areas such as New York City and even Long Island, uh, Long Island is really considered an urban area by definition. You know, that's fantastic. And when we get back from break, I want to talk a little bit more about urban farming. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're listening to the Main Street Code for Financial Success, and I have Bill Zelliker with me, who is with Kurt Greenhouse, Kurt Weiss Greenhouses, as well as past Farm Bureau president and currently on the state board. We'll be right back. Thank you. Welcome back to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm your host, Neil Himmelstein. If you need to reach out to me, 631-647-4694. I encourage you to ask lots of questions. Uh, or if you have an issue, call me about it. Or if you have, don't have an attorney or an accountant or something, you need to develop a plan that is integrated for you. You need to develop a team. If you don't have one, we'll help you put one together to help you with your financial needs. And today, I'm so fortunate to have with me Bill Zelliker, who is the past president of the Farm Bureau for the last three years. Is in state. He was up in Albany last week fighting for you, fighting for farms, fighting to get money to help 
increase the farms and open space and help with the clean water and the clean air and everything else. And before the break, we were talking about urban farming. Now, urban farming is done where? Where's that done? Mostly in the urban areas, Neil. And progressively, uh, if you take like uh, New York City, for example, uh, you see an increasing allotment of rooftop gardens happening in the city. Um, as well as container farming, which a uh, perfect example, there's one uh, company in Brooklyn called Square Roots that utilizes uh, shipping cargo containers and they're retrofitted and they produce under controlled environment, um, basil, lettuce, oh, uh, cool. things like that, that can be distributed right in the intermediate areas. That's terrific. As well as uh, one of the larger companies, Gotham Greens, which started years ago, um, is built a small greenhouse on the top of Whole Foods in, in Brooklyn. And so basically it eliminates the whole transportation aspect. Right. And it allows a lot of the local people to get their food very much at a faster pace that's always fresher. Oh, you can't get fresher than right at the farm, that's, that's for sure. It. And that's a fantastic thing, and I'm, I'm glad to see it, because we have a lot of uh, people that don't appreciate or can't have the access to come out east to where these great farms are, but you can grow some of your own food, and it's not a bad idea, and what a great thing for the community. You never know when that food supply, as you were saying you know, last week, we talked about the food supply being very vulnerable. You said we have a two-and-a-half-day fresh food supply at Hunts Point Market, correct? Is that what you said? Correct, Two-and-a-half yes. two days. Two-and-a-half days. What happens? COVID was a great example, but what if we have a power outage or a truck stoppage or something? What happens to our fresh food? What, where, where, what do we do? And that's where we have to uh, rely on some of the local sources. Yes, you know, urban agriculture is never going to take over the traditional agriculture. But talking to a lot of the uh, people out there, there is a place out there for urban agriculture, and it will stay. And it's got to be that micromanaging and sourcing the product right in the areas, in the city areas, uh, that will help out. Right. No, it's fantastic. And talk a little bit about... You know, we talked about urban, we talked a little bit about aquaculture. Talk about the importance of the open space. I know it's a big initiative on Long Island, particularly here in Suffolk County, and how important that is to everything. I mean, you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. It's, um, as I was saying on the last show, uh, Suffolk County uh, is known for starting the first uh, land preservation program in the entire United States. And when you go back, things have changed so much over the past 50 years. And when the program was set up, it was set up as basically open space uh, because everybody thought is open space is farmland. And things have progressed a little bit differently now throughout the years. And there really is a separation between open space and farmland. And there are differences in preserving both of them. And we do need to preserve both of those aspects. One of the key things to always remember out there, the people that are in agriculture and farming, 
that land is there is everything to them. If they destroy the land, then they're also losing their value as well as what they are working for, and they will not be able to farm it. So maintaining the economic and environmental aspect of that property is so important for all of us in agriculture, and it's important that everybody knows that. Right, and it's important that you support your Farm Bureau because they're there fighting for you, and you may not even know who they are, and they're a big political group, right? Yeah, they started uh, back in 1911 um, to help uh, work with the farmers. And actually, the first Farm Bureau started in Binghamton, uh, New York, believe it or not, and progressed from there throughout the entire country. And um, Farm Bureau is very strong. Uh, They were uh, about in the 1950s, they split up with Cornell uh, before they were tied in together. But because Farm Bureau is a political advocacy group, that's where we had to split our ties with Cornell. We do work side by side with Cornell very closely and maintain a great relationship with them because both aspects are very vital uh, in our industry. And, and Cornell helps in educating people I know they do a lot of different kinds of work, but what? Correct. What do they, they do, do a lot of uh, programs for the uh, general public uh, in educating them on different things with agriculture, home economics, things like that. Um, and, and Farm Bureau has uh, maintained the political advocacy group a lot more. But it's so important, and, and Bill and I share in the belief in education, and there's so much that we're not taught in school. Yeah, if you're at a really good school, they'll take you to a farm, you'll pet the animals, and that might be the whole experience they have with a farm. But really get to know the farms out here, not just buy the food or see the animals, but really get to appreciate the hard work that they're providing to give you quality food that is local and fresh and because the alternative is we import it it. from where now you were telling me something about california that a lot of our fruits and stuff come from california but there was a big discussion about that up in albany you want to go into that a little bit more correct california has always been one of the uh, largest producers of agricultural products in, in the united states and We do start to see a a shift in that, uh, talking with a lot of the uh, people at Hunts Point and a lot of the other uh, big buyers. Uh, Two factors that really play into effect are transportation, as we talked about earlier, and the big key issue is water. Right. Anywhere on the whole Western United States, water has become such a valuable resource and they're having a harder and harder time getting water that a lot of the farms out there are actually not looking at increasing in size, but buying areas here on the East Coast and increasing production over here just because our water supply is a little bit uh, better than on the West. But when you look at your cost of food and everybody's complaining, oh, it's inflation, it's this, it's that, it's that. Think about transportation and everything else and where you get your food 
and why it costs what it costs. I want to go back to our roots about mm-hmm. the cost of food. Mm-hmm. Why is it going up? What are the problems? Listen, we, we understand. We talked about environmental issues. Environmental cool. issues are huge. Uh, California is a perfect example. Um, and to a farmer, uh, it's got to be tough to get food to the table. They have a long time before it's planted, sold, and they get paid. <laughs> that and then the other key factor in there is we're dealing with the natural environment. Right. I mean, there's so many times where, and, and that's one of the hard things to try to explain to a lot of people that we just don't close the door at 5 o'clock and come back 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Nope. I get it. We got to do while we can. You got it. Well, you've been listening to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. If you need to reach out to me, Neil Himmelstein, 631 647 4694, the Main Street Code for Financial Success. And my host, Bill Zelliker. And how can they reach you, Bill? Can reach me at 631 831 5924. Thank you so much, and have a great day, everybody. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.